we're going on with uh, our study in Romans, uh, chapter 3. And uh, you remember the story so far. Hmm? What is faith? committal of oneself to the truth. Amen. And how are we justified? By faith. All right. Uh, what does justification mean? We're made right in the sight of God. And how does that happen? through Jesus Christ and his atonement and that's it what do we do about it what can we do about it who's done everything and what do we rely on his sacrifice and his resurrection we're justified by his resurrection when he rose from the dead amen now, you all got that far, did you? Well, uh, what I want to go on with now is just discussing uh, uh, something that um, probably you might think I've taken it in the wrong order, but I haven't. I went and explained what the characteristics of salvation was, and um, I want to just go back now and deal with one of the phrases that I left out of, um, of uh, the scriptures and didn't dwell on uh, at that time because I felt it would be better to deal with it separately and it's the statement in chapter 3 verse 23 where it says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and we brushed over it because basically I was wanting to go on to how you come to righteousness which is by faith the faith of Jesus Christ and we dealt with that last time and now we're going to deal with for, for all have sinned now you all know you've sinned don't you hmm? no one has any problem with that and you know that you're forgiven for your sins because of what? What forgives you? Jesus' death on Calvary's cross was the atonement for your sin. Amen? But he also goes on to say, have come short of the glory of God. It doesn't say all have sinned. It says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and um, it's alright I'm not a puppet it's just string behind moving um, no one's pulling the strings <laughs> um, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God now what does that mean well if you know that all have sinned it's important you know what it means when it says all have come short of the glory of God isn't it because God links the two together. 
Now we need the righteousness of Christ not only because all have sinned but because also all have come short of the glory of God. Now you might have thought it was just sin that was the problem. Well, got news for you. Coming short of the glory of God is a big problem. And if you don't know what it means you won't know how to deal with it. We dealt with the atonement and uh, we dealt with God coming and atoning in the, in the form of Jesus Christ um, bearing our sin and becoming sin for us who knew no sin and now can you keep awake? good uh, and now we're going on with the next part it's alright I'll tell Jen to wake you up if you doze off don't worry uh, and now we're going on with an important aspect which is coming short of the glory of God very important now none of you noticed it was there did you really how many know what it means well why would God say and coming short of the glory of God if it was the same he wouldn't would he so it must be different from sin I would agree with that okay so what does it mean but you can't no flesh will be justified in the sight of God it's evident because then it's uh, justification by works and not by faith you've got to deal look if it were that John then how could you uh, go on uh, uh, verse 27 and 28 where is boasting then it is excluded by what law of works nay but by the law of faith there we can, therefore we conclu conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law so it's not by works it says that somewhere does it where does it say that no well I <laughs> I want to assure you that you know you you know it's fortunate <laughs> uh, 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 we won't go too far along that line <laughs> I don't want to shame you what we've got to do is be very careful we quote absolutely correctly if we are going to quote when you say it says somewhere that he uh, was raised because he was obedient is that what you're saying he was raised because he was obedient so his resurrection depended on what pardon don't you think that is somewhat a very dangerous doctrine
you're telling me the only reason he was raised is because he was obedient. Is that what you mean? It says that somewhere. He was raised by the glory of the Father. It doesn't say that actually anywhere. I'm just putting it over so you, you realize, you begin to think, you see. If Christ were raised, sorry Klaus, I'll come back to you and say, if Christ were raised by, um, uh, just because he was obedient, uh, it would be um, quite a dangerous doctrine because um, it would mean that everyone who was obedient and who lived in faith and died had a right to instantaneous resurrection. They don't, do they? No one else is obedient. But just a minute, that... Pardon? That's correct, Albert, but then if you think you're logically your way through, you will discover that um, a lot of people, great prophets of old, died with a good report before God. Are you saying that God made a mistake? They didn't. I'm only just saying, you know, I'm not trying to catch you. I'm just trying to make you understand that he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father because it was in the four, it was a, a foreordained purpose of God that he should taste death for every man and he tasted death for us uh, tasted death for us because that was foreordained it was also foreordained that he would rise the third day again from the dead and he rose the third day again from the dead according to the scripture risen up by the glory of the Father as the Father had already always intended uh, his obedience wasn't the thing that caused that to happen the fact that he was who he was and was of course um, he couldn't contradict his own nature of course he was pure and holy but what I'm saying is it was the foreordained purpose of God why not six weeks after why not six years after no it was um, the resurrection was on the third day he rose again from the dead because that was what was foretold in the Law and the Prophets, and God had ordained it that way. His resurrection was by the ordination of God before the foundation of the world. Uh, we have to appreciate that. Go on, Klaus, you were next. How do you mean he took it on? How did he do that? <coughs> you mean he identified with sin and became sin who knew no sin? Uh, that's right. Uh, so what are you saying? How is man born of sin? 
What does that mean? Yeah, I know because of it, um, but what do you mean by born into sin? What do you mean by it? So it's a sin nature they've got at birth. Nor did Adam. Yeah. So what does it mean? You mean a rebellious nature, rebellious against God? Yeah, so what are you saying about coming short of the glory of God? Okay, George, what are you? Yes? Not venturing any further than that. <laughs> uh, go on, Rob. Are you going to stick to that? Well, how how would you then uh, deal with verse 27 and 28? I mean, if, if what you're saying is right, which is... Uh, pardon? What, verse 27 and 28? How does it agree with it? Are quite right. So, but you're saying that it's um, a process. This coming to the glory of God. Who's talking about sanctification? Who's talking about holiness? What is the glory of God? Well, what is the glory of God? Now that's really the hub of the question, isn't it? I mean, if you fall short of something, what is it? That's right. Now, what is God's glory? Mm. 
Now you really come to the hub of the whole thing because you see, he's raised for our justification and in justification we're restored to the glory of God. Not by sanctification, but by justification. Else, our salvation is of works and not of grace. Hmm? No, but this talks about it's not of works, it's of grace. Yeah, but no, 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 it doesn't say that, Rob. I haven't told you what the glory of God is. I purposely haven't told you that. I'm going to come on to that now. It's what we're meeting for, to talk about the glory of God, yeah? It's a very what? All have sinned and come short. Not we do. All have. No, we have. Ah, uh, yeah. All have sinned. But we do and we have our different tenses. One is the perfect tense and the other is the present tense. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, if it was as simplistic as some say, uh, it was just the Holy Spirit, uh, you would be wrong uh, to an extent. So, we are going to go and look at it. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? How many have read it? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many have ever thought, what is the glory of God and what does it mean to come short of it? How many have actually thought that previously? Two people. Anyone else? Put up your hands, you know, if you've got the courage. Um, put up your hands. Right, right up. Go on, put them up. Can't you hold them up? You've thought about it. These people have thought about it, have you? Right, what conclusion did you come to? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Didn't say all do sin and come short of the glory of God. Yeah, but supposing Christ dwells there, are you telling me iniquity dwells with Christ? I wouldn't think so, would you? You mean the, the sin nature has got to be dealt with, hasn't it? you see but then that's what salvation is dealing with the power of sin isn't it now if that's dealt with then it's not quite clear thinking really is it I mean you're saying iniquity dwells in your heart basically um, uh, some people would argue iniquity and sin are different uh, they're different words but um, we'll do a study on it at some time uh, I wouldn't like to say there is biblical evidence of much difference because iniquity is more to do with nature, sin with action is how I see it 
All right, what about you, Jamie? It's good to know what people have been examining and what they think, isn't it? Huh? You don't have an answer, but why did you go to Bible college? Ah, uh, that's unfair. No, I know. They don't teach you at Bible college to do that. Rationalize it away. That's, that's about it, yeah. Um, okay, who else put up their hands to knowing uh, and wondering? Uh, okay, Bob, uh, Esther, what did you think? back to the light. Now that's an interesting thought. Does it? I think that's a fair statement. Okay, go on. Jackie, what? Okay, who was down here? Janet, what did your conclusion come to? Klaus didn't say that. That was George. Until we're justified through Christ. Why potentially? Well, it's salvation, part of salvation, if we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and we're dealing with salvation, wouldn't you think that the restoration of the glory of God and the forgiveness of sins is one and the same thing? Would you not agree with that? Well, let's put it another way. As Esther said, uh, if the light went out when Adam sinned, the light needs to come on in order for us to be able to live and partake of a life of God, doesn't it? Hmm? You'd all agree with that. Now, sanctification's in a different realm in the soul. You've got to learn to possess your soul. And, um, but we're talking about the spirit realm, salvations of your, you know, the salvation we're talking about is where you're born again of God's spirit, born from above. Would you all agree with that? Who else put up their hand? Peter, what did you think about it then?
All right. Anyone else anything, thoughts or comments? Yes, Faith, what do you want? Sorry, I can't hear with the motorbike. Hang on. Yeah, go on. Sorry? Mary I'm asking the questions not you Pardon doesn't before we come to salvation we have no attributes of God is that true does God get angry can you love before got to just find out whether people are really convinced that what they're saying they believe you see just like to know that because some people are making statements I'm not sure they believe it themselves okay uh, yes John gone <laughs> a clue well, you see, it's the whole fulcrum on which the gospel is based. That's why I'm, I'm, you know, uh, taking it so seriously. Because if all of sin comes short of the glory of God, and I've got to know that not only do, is my sin forgiven, I've got to know the restoration of the glory of God. I better know what's got to be restored, haven't I? Uh, George. No, you can't. Uh, you can tell me where it. You can tell me where it comes from. Two Corinthians three and verse eighteen. You can't read that out. <laughs> Don't turn in your Bibles. Eyes up, the lot of you. Right, we're going to go on. <laughs> Well, at least he reads the scriptures. We're going to go on. We'll take it in context in a minute. <laughs> um, George knows where to look. Most of you should have known where to look. Uh, we'll go on and talk about the glory of God. Now, the interesting thing is that um, what does come short mean? Pun? Well... That would be right if you knew, uh, you know, come short means what? Not to attain to. Uh, no, it doesn't. 
Salvation's not by works, and not to attain to means you could attain to it. That means you have to go somewhere. Wife, ask questions at home. <laughs> Actually, it's a Greek word. And what? Esther wants her Greek Testament so she can look at it. Okay, well, I'll tell you. It's the same word and come short of. It's the same word as is used in the story of the prodigal son when he came to himself, when he, he found, uh, um, and it talks about him being in want, um, and he discovered he was in want. It's exactly the same word in the Greek. And it means to be in want, to lack. It doesn't mean, uh, as you would have thought it meant, to come short of um, actually means to be in need of. In other words, there just is no glory. The glory of God just isn't there. He needs it. He's in want of it. Okay, well, you remember when the prodigal son uh, came to be in want. Where was he? In a pig pen, in a far country. Uh, we don't want to go into that story, but it's the same Greek word. It means to be in want or in need of. And um, that's what it really means. Now, if I'm in need of something, uh, sometimes I can supply it and sometimes I can't. Now, you remember when the uh, prodigal son was in need, what was his discovery? He couldn't help himself, and what did he say? I will arise and go to my father. But didn't he also talk about his, the hired servants having plenty? in his father's house. Hmm? Yeah, the servants are better off than me and here am I in want. And so he knew he couldn't do anything about it and he knew there was only one answer and that was in God. Now, to be in want means that I totally lack the glory of God. I'm in want of it. Uh, and it, it is important that you understand that, um, that it's not something, otherwise you'll get the impression that you can earn it by the way you live in obedience. You can't. The glory of God is God's glory, and God's glory he won't share with another. Now, if the glory of God was alone the Holy Spirit, <laughs> No one will be filled with the Spirit because uh, he won't share his glory with another. Is it talking about the same glory? 
I'm only making you think, you see. It can't possibly be. What makes you say that? That's right. That's very wise. But what I am saying is that it's not just the Holy Spirit, obviously. Uh, because you know people who are, uh, have had the Spirit of God move upon them. For instance, Balaam did. And Balaam's ass, and he didn't partake of the glory of God. Uh, now, there's a difference in our partaking of it, and I want to go on and show us what it really is all about. George has probably worked out all the answers by now. He's got his concordance going over there, or he's flicking round, but we'll leave the butterflies alone. Uh, Is there something, what? <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> yes, Shane. Aren't we? <laughs> That's a chorus from glory to glory is changing me. <laughs> They've all been looking it up. Right, we're going on. It's good sometimes just to think and exercise your mind. You rarely get exercised. Um, but we're short of the glory of God. Amen? We come short of it, which means what? We're in need of it. All right? We're to be in want. We found ourselves in want of the glory of God. And um, there is no doubt about it the whole secret lies in Genesis chapter 1 uh, where it starts in the beginning God and um, you remember he created Adam and Eve and he formed them out of the dust of the earth now I don't want to make a a lot of it but when they rebelled against God as Esther said quite rightly the light went out and you'll remember that in glory everyone's clothed in a robe of righteousness the reason they discovered they were naked was the glory of God was their clothing uh, in Genesis uh, they were clothed in the glory of God and their nakedness appeared when, of course, the light of God just vanished from their lives and the robe of righteousness went and therefore they were in darkness. A man forever after is in darkness. And uh, it's important to know that. Uh, when man is born, as Klaus quite rightly said, uh, they are born with a sin nature. And that nature is within man now obviously God came to deal both with the nature of sin 
and restoration of the glory of God. I need both. Now, uh, all have sinned and come short or are in need of the glory of God. Well, Jesus Christ came to meet all my needs, didn't he? And so I need a restoration. Now I need to know what it's all about and that's what we'll study on Thursday. <laughs> no, we'll do it tonight instead. We've got time. It's not Thursday tonight. Chris, it's... Don't you even know what day of the week it is? It was Jamie, was it? Oh, I see. Okay. Well, it's, it, there's plenty of time, I think. Okay. Now, keep your finger there and turn with me to the page opposite, uh, chapter 2 and verse 7. Now, you shouldn't have to turn the page if you're... Well, you might have to if you haven't got a proper Bible. That's Cambridge Version. Uh, one? Isn't it? You've got a little one. Um, okay, well, anyway. Um, it talks about this. Who will render to every man according to his deeds. And here you come with a conundrum to them who by patient continuance in well doing seek for glory and honour and immortality eternal life how about that now there are people who are seeking for glory and honour and immortality but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath now you'll notice the ones who are seeking glory and honor and immortality gain eternal life. Alright? Now eternal life is a quality of life. Do you understand that? But uh, it doesn't mean by that scripture that um, uh, you're given it according to deeds. But in deeds I must... Um, be righteous and do good works not basically because I am trying to earn salvation but I am created in Christ Jesus as a new creation unto good works so until I'm recreated I can't do good works I do everything for self don't I when I'm a new creation then I do things for God now people do seek for glory and honor and uh, but it's not the glory of honor of self. It's the glory and honor of who? We're called to glorify God. We're not called to glorify ourselves. Uh, and if you turn to Romans chapter 5, Therefore, in verse 1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
Now what does that mean? Well, why do you rejoice in hope if you can't have it now? You've got the hope, haven't you? What is your hope? When we see him... Ah, now, when we see him we shall be... So, what do we need uh, to have? Knowledge that we're going to be like him. Well, how can I become like him if I don't know him? How can I have a hope of being like someone if I don't know what he's like? I can't. So how can I have a hope of the glory of God if I don't know what it is? Huh? <coughs> I can't have a hope through faith I mean how can I hope If look let's say you hope you hope that one day you'll grow up um, now the reason you hope that when you're young is because you can see people who have and you think they're happy some of you young ladies hope you'll one day get married why? Because you see other married couples and you see how wonderful it is to have children and all the joys that go with it. And you hope that one day someone will be stupid enough to choose you. And you men, you know, you might hope one day to be married and raise offspring because you see that it's such an easy life going out to work and letting your wife look after them. Uh, there's all sorts of things you might hope for but hope comes when you see an objective and hope for it now if you haven't seen the glory of God how can you hope for it? Jamie So you'd contradict Rob. You have it now. Tell me what it is. <laughs> no, I'm not being fair there. Go on, we're going. Yeah. We're not talking about sanctification. We're not talking about sanctification. We're not talking about sanctification. You're hopeful, aren't you? 
You don't know what you're seeking after or hoping for. Okay, just let me ask you what faith is. What are the three things? Ah, now, just a minute. If I'm hoping for something that I don't know, how can I have an awareness of the truth? Okay, Esther, what did you say? Well, you, yeah, you probably are. What? Pardon? Here, we'll, we'll talk about here. Really? <laughs> Anything, go on. But if God shows you something you haven't got, uh, in a sense, what you're telling me is you haven't got the glory of God. What do you mean by a measure? Been working downstairs too much. Um, Really? <laughs> right, we're going on. We're going on. Uh, okay. Now I'm just I'm just taking these scriptures and provoking. You see sometimes by teaching people it's good to get response because then your mind actually thinks and um, I'm not really misleading well not altogether misleading you but in some ways provoking you um, because I felt it would be more profitable to do it that way than just to say it okay we're going on to Romans chapter 8 and uh, let's take um, Romans 8 verse 18 Okay? It says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. And everything's getting revealed now. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was willing uh, was made subject to vanity not willingly but by reason of him who hath subjected him um, subjected the same in hope because the creature itself also shall be delivered 
from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. All right, we're going to be delivered into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, are we there at the moment? Hmm? No, because we still have our bodies, don't we? Anyone got a glorified body? If you have, you can walk through this wall and show us all. But mine, the other side, there's a drop. Uh, um, no one's got a glorified body. I, I remember once in America there was uh, one church where they claimed to have glorified bodies. They'd come into the state of sons of God and they were totally glorified. So the brother that went there, uh, you know, after they'd gone on for about 20 minutes about having glorified <coughs> bodies and how, you know, they knew they would never get sick now, they were perfect and God had given them these glorified bodies. He said, tell me, do you still go to the toilet? And they looked at him and said, are you trying to be funny? He said, well, I just want to tell you, there's no sewers in New Jerusalem. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> Nothing that defiles shall enter therein. <laughs> but Besides which, if the city is coming out and down from heaven, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be standing underneath if it had. <laughs> but there we are. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> hope you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> 29 and 30. For whom he did predest uh, foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also... So... When you're justified, what are you also done to? It's part of salvation. I told you it was. All right? Now, I need to know what it means. <laughs> if I've had it done to me, I'd like to know what's been done. It's good, isn't it? You know, if you have the scriptures, you can't go wrong. You, know, you just become totally confused after a time. Ah, <laughs> uh, how can you be in hope of something that's already done? I would say that Jamie had probably put it right. Just that the English, in the old-fashioned version, puts it wrong. We have hope because of the glory of God that's come. Because without the glory of God, to be honest with you. And without seeing the glory of God, and without increasing in the knowledge of the glory of God, there is no way that I can move on in God. Because the light of God is the glory of God. And um, we're going to go on to that, but let's just take a few more scriptures. And um, we want to know what it means to be glorified, don't we? Everyone wants that. Okay, let's make it even worse. 2 Corinthians... Keep your finger in uh, Romans. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, 254, for those not versed in finding it quick. Um, 
verse... Oh, let's take verse 18. Um, But we all, with open face, beholding his inner glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, we're changed by what? Spirit of the Lord into what? The image. The image of who? Jesus Christ. All right. Now, if you were back in um, uh, Romans eight twenty nine, for whom he did foreknow, he ought, don't turn back. He did predestinate to be conformed to his image. Now we're predestinated to be conformed to his image, and conformed to his image is glorification. So, in actual fact, I have the conformity of Christ's image within me when? Hmm? When I'm justified. Glory to God, we're getting somewhere. All right? In other words, when I know my sin's forgiven, I'm conformed to his image within. You'd all agree with that. Amen. That's good. Now it's good to know what you've got, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 4, verse... <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. <laughs> I'm just getting somewhere with everyone. Well, let me tell you why. Why do you think it's from glory to glory? He's Jane. He's trying to please Shane. What? That is not right, Rob. Don't, don't say that's right. Right. Let me ask you this. Let. Pardon? It's wrong. Don't mislead everyone in the church. Right, let me ask you this. When you're born, and you're born again, are you a babe, or are you mature? As you grow, does your glory develop? But you have the glory even though it might not be as developed as it would be when you're an adult. A baby has all the attributes of life within. I mean, as I've said to you so many times, when our children were three weeks old, I didn't take them to the dentist to get false teeth. I knew that if I just waited, they'd grow. Uh, time causes growth. Now, when a person's changed from glory to glory, what happens? There's a development of the life of Christ in them, and the life of Christ is more manifest in them. But basically that glory is there. You're changed not from glory into glory, from glory to glory. In other words, you are in glory and you're changed to glory. You don't go from sin to glory to sin to glory to sin to glory to sin to glory. Train. Um, you go... <laughs> yeah. You go from...
from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Uh, and um, it's one of those nights, you know. In what sense? No. No. I assure you, if you walked about naked, people would notice you were naked. But I'm just saying that if you did, now, when Adam and Eve did, they didn't know they were naked, you see. So don't believe that you're restored to that glory. It could be that you'd be arrested as a streaker. Yeah, but... <laughs> You might shock everyone. <laughs> so we aren't restored to that glory. We, that was a state of innocency, you see. And you've lost that state of innocency. That won't be returned. What is returned is the spiritual light of God. Um, you haven't yet. They had a glorified body. They were never going to die. God had created them and they didn't age. Age came when they sinned. Uh, sin brought aging, the aging process on and that is the thing uh, before that Adam and Eve would have lived and, and uh, would not have grown old in the sense that we grow we grow old and decay because the curse of God's upon us now our bodies still decay mine's getting older and more misshapen as the years go by uh, other people's have got a lot more old and misshapen than mine. That is because of the curse. Now, the curse in the sense of this world and the earth is not taken away. Now, Adam and Eve didn't know that. That you have to produce by the sweat of your brow. In other words, you have to work for a living. The curse of Adam is work. is what the unions are always trying to do away with. But um, they're trying to get rid of the curse of Adam without salvation. But the curse of Adam was work. And, um, but producing by the sweat of his brow. Before that, God told him to tend the garden. So work was involved. But it was work that uh, was profitable work. After that, he was told to tend the earth. And, of course, it was going to bring briar and thorns and, and all sorts of things. And there was a fight to produce. But before that, everything was fruitful. Do you all understand that? Okay, so we're not returned to that state, unfortunately. Uh, if we were, it would be lovely. I would love to have a garden where no weeds ever grew. Now, there is a group in America that believe they have returned to that state. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what they do in the gardens they must concrete them over <laughs> otherwise it would disprove their doctrine but there you are in America you can find everything even merrily um, we'll go on <laughs> the fascinating isn't it uh, in 2 Corinthians 4 And verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts 
to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So where does the knowledge of God come from, the glory of God come from? The face of Jesus Christ. And we behold his image with open face and are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Alright? It's the Spirit of God that changes us. It's the face of Jesus Christ that reveals the glory of the Father and that is what is changing. Now what we have is the light of God which gives us knowledge of the glory of God. Now what happens is by revelation when God reveals things to me I begin to move into and live in what is already part of my life. In other words, I learn to possess my soul and live it out on this earth. But I have in my possession, I'm glorified. If I wasn't glorified, I couldn't partake of the glory. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'll repeat what I said. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined into our hearts. Where's your heart? Really? Can I have that in writing? Um, the, the, the thing... <laughs> your, <laughs> your heart... <laughs> yeah, your heart's in your soul. My wife's in his stitches. <laughs> it's one of those nights, I'm sorry. The, the, I, I, I think I better quit. <laughs> Poor someone throws something. Um, the, the thing is that my heart, it's the light shines in my heart. The light shines in my heart and it shines out of darkness. Shines in my heart. Um, <laughs> to the For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, in this earthen vessel, that's my body and my soul, the glory of God is. Now that light shines into my heart, and in my heart is my will, my uh, emotions, and my mind. All right? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. How can you think in your heart if men tell you that your brain is in your head well I don't know but you do <laughs> um, as a man thinketh in his heart so is he and your heart is your soul alright for heart you better read soul in that sense although I'm not saying that you always could read soul it's just the way it's translated here okay and so um, we have this treasure in earth and vessels <laughs> and the earth decays 
that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, the power is of God and the light's from God and the reflection's from God and we're changing and the life of Christ is being shown forth. But there's a secret about this life and we want to go on to that and verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but... Now that's not talking about light. It means light not heavy not light light alright light affliction means this not heavy affliction I didn't want you to misunderstand you're not afflicted by light <laughs> got to explain it because you know people misunderstand merrily I know you wouldn't you're American you wouldn't misunderstand anything this light affliction where are we oh for our light affliction our not heavy affliction which is but for a moment <laughs> worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen now how can you look at something that isn't seen <laughs> that's what's interesting you see now it doesn't mean look with your eyeballs it means look with your heart you see we with our heart see things which aren't seen now the interesting thing is the world don't see the unseen <laughs> so, <coughs> that's profound yeah. you can't see what is unseen but we look at the things that are unseen <laughs> it's alright Jamie it's like a computer that's why we're different <laughs> uh, but are the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal that means of this earth but the things which are not seen are eternal or spiritual now we look at spiritual things now the interesting thing is we don't look at the things that are seen we look at the things that are unseen but how can you look at things that are unseen well your heart begins to lay hold and you understand the things and the glory of God when God comes into you. Now the interesting thing is, until God lightens you inside, or you're born again, or you're justified by faith, or you have a new birth experience, or you're saved, or you're a new creature in Christ, or whatever you want to say it is, uh, that's what it is, uh, you're filled with the Spirit, you know, you name it, um, when that happens, I didn't say baptized in the Spirit. When that happens, um, what happens is you begin to understand spiritual truths. How many of you really believed in God before you were born again? Well, you couldn't have done you can't believe in something that you don't see and know, can you? 
Oh, yeah, I believe there was something. I used to, when I was young, I used to believe in bogeymen, but... I know I said really believed in God. You, you knew what, you've got to know what you believe in, haven't you? you know, how many knew God before they were born again? No one. You can't know God unless you're born. Now, when light comes, you wonder how you could have ever not believed. Don't you? But the difference is God's come and, and you just can't, I can't disbelieve in God because I know. Why do I know? Because lights come and I, I have his glory and his light and the knowledge of God is somehow inside now. Now it's impossible to disbelieve. I just find it, I, no one could convince me that God doesn't exist. But there was a time when they could have done. True for you all? And you needed to be born, in other words, to have that realization, didn't you? Hmm? You'd all agree with that. There was a time, you might, you, when I say you really believe in God, I mean you really know what God's like. You, you really understand his nature and you really begin to lay hold and believe God. I mean, before, you might have believed in a bearded fellow sitting on a throne in heaven. And, uh, but that's not believing in God. Or believing there was some great power out there. Uh, you know, that, that's not believing in God. I mean, the Freemasons will tell you they believe in a supreme being. Uh course they don't believe in God but um, at least not the God the Father of Jesus Christ they certainly believe in a God um, but the, the thing we have to understand is is that we come to this knowledge all right it says for our light affliction um, which worketh but for a moment worketh in us far more exceeding eternal way to glory why we look at not at the things which are seen now the thing secret is this once I'm born again, I don't live for this earth. I realize that my life, this earth life here, is a preparation for living somewhere else. In other words, my whole center of focus is not on this life and making myself as comfortable as possible down here because I know that when the end comes, there's nothing. What I know is, if I live for Christ and I live to be like him when I see him I'm going to be like him and I'm going to have his nature and I'm going to have his life and I'm going to enter into his glory now that I know now because I know that I live differently and if I don't have that knowledge I'll go back to my sin if I didn't believe that there was something after this life, then I would just live any old way. I mean, why should I bother? I know there's a judgment, a day of reckoning. Don't you? Hmm? There is. And I know that we're going to come to that place where we're going to be face to face with God. And I know at that day I'm going to have to answer to him. And I know 
the glory of God. Now that's glorious, isn't it? Hmm? No? No, I haven't got it in measure. I'm not a tailor. I've got it all. I've got the glory of God. I am glorified. And then we go on, not mummified. And the answer <laughs> is in really... Um, to do, well just stick um, your finger there we'll go back to John 17 verse 22 it says this in verse John 17 verse 22 and the glory which uh, uh, let me see neither verse 20 pray I for these alone but for them which also believe on me through their word that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us the, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me I will one day give them that they may be one even as we are one I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me so God has given us his glory Jesus said I've given them my glory If you go back to 2 Corinthians 4 the glory of God is the light of the knowledge if you haven't got the light of the knowledge of the glory of God you haven't got God's glory and the whole secret is to have light and you get light when you're born again somehow how many of you have found when God quickened you and you knew you were justified suddenly you could read the Bible and it began to mean something to you how many found that never meant something it was just a dead book and some, that's light that is the glory of God that he's revealing to you now what turns that light on is justification by faith or new birth because at new birth you're given the glory of God you're glorified do you all understand that and do you find the Bible's a living book now hmm now it's a living book because the lights come on now okay it might not be a living book in the sense you could say well Michael can get up and share this and share that and I don't see it until he says it but when I say it do you find you see it therefore you've got light now the people that haven't got light are the people who sit there and, but don't really see it in other words they've no light in them you can have people 
who don't see the light. Now the people who don't see the light are the world. Let me give you an example. All right. Um, uh, flick with me. Um, oh no, let's go to 2 Peter first. Second epistle of Peter. Now, um, <coughs> second epistle of Peter, uh, chapter 1, page 327. Verse 3, according as his divine power has given unto us, you remember the excellency of the power was not of him and not of us, that's why we had the treasure in earth and vessels. Um, according to his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now do you remember God's uh, curse and giving people up to reprobate mind for what? Ungodliness and unrighteousness. And here we've got all things given to us for life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to what? Glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises but that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now, the way I come to the knowledge of the glory of God is as I read the scriptures because God has put his glory within me that glory reveals the glory that's written in the written word which is a letter until the glories come which then changes me as I read the Bible and hear the word it's quickened to my heart and it changes me inside and it changes my soul life now if light hadn't come to me and I hadn't got light within then there would be no change. The reason there's change is because I have light. Light brings revelation. Do you understand what I'm saying? You all look blank. You all understand it? Yes? Everyone understand. Who doesn't understand? Good, you all understand. What happens is when I'm born, as I read the word of God, then I become a partaker of the divine nature because I partake of things as I know about them. Now, what is necessary for faith? Three things. First, awareness of the truth. Now, I might have something that is mine by right, but if I don't know that it's mine, I might never live in it. For instance, let me give you a for instance. Uh, we're buying a property, all right? Nice property we're buying. Beautiful property. But supposing I never got the deeds of the property, I might own acres of fields all round. Gypsies might camp on one, a farmer might be using another one, and I bought the property, but if I didn't know what was mine by right, I might never possess what's mine, even though I actually own it. That's why whenever you buy a property that you study the deeds to find out what are your wrongs and rights. And you, you study everything about it so you know what's yours. Now when you possess the property you want it with vacant possession. 
Now when Christ comes and inhabits us, unfortunately, there are a lot of other things possessing us. And as we read the word of God, we learn what our rights are in our inheritance. Don't we? Now it doesn't mean that we're gaining the inheritance, we already own the inheritance, but we've never possessed it. And as a Christian, as you read the word of God, God quickens it to your heart. Now when he quickens it to your heart and you become aware of the truth, you are sent to the truth, then what have you got to do? Commit yourselves to the truth. Now when you commit yourself to it, it becomes your possession. In other words, you move in by faith. But it doesn't mean that it wasn't yours all the time. It was. Ignorance just meant you didn't possess it. All right? You all understand that. And so the word of God's quickened to our hearts and we lay hold on what's ours. But it always has been ours. Just we didn't lay hold of it before. Okay? You all understand that. And we become partakers of the divine nature. Now that's something that Adam partook of. But he didn't partake in the way we partake. He was created in the image of God, but he wasn't a partaker of the divine nature in the sense of impartation, but in the sense of he was made in the likeness. Do you follow? We are not made in the likeness. We actually partake of that divine nature that Christ had. He never did that. That's how he sinned. God never could have sinned. And the nature that you receive cannot sin. You can. But the new nature you receive can't. The seed of God can't sin. But you can walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit. Depends which realm you want to walk in. Okay, we go on now to Philippians chapter 3. Verse 20. For our conversation, Philippians chapter 3 is page 280. In the New Testament. Page 280. Other end. Page 280. Okay. Uh, chapter 3, verse 20. Um, for our conversation that, now that word conversation there means manner of life is in heaven how about that did you realize that your manner of life is in heaven <laughs> well, I'm down here um, from whence also we look for the saviour the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby is able even to subdue all things unto himself. What he's saying, death is going to be swallowed up in victory. I'm going to get a glorified body that will never decay. 
never grow old, never put on weight, can drink the heavenly wine and never get drunk, can feast on the heavenly dainties and never grow heavy. Or should I say fat? Can enjoy all the pleasures of God and never decay. Now our conversation, that's manner of life's in heaven, in other words we've become partakers of the divine nature and we live looking forward to the time when Christ is going to appear and we're going to be like him in all its fullness. And our vile bodies are going to be changed. No more going to the dentist. No more going to the optician. No more going to the chiropractor. No more going to the doctor. We'll be perfectly healthy, whole, sane people. Glory to God. That'll be wonderful, won't it? Mm -hmm. And we're going to get a glorified body. Now I'm looking forward to that. No restraints of the body at all. Hallelujah. Now that's what we look for. Now that is the glory we look for. But we have the glory in our spirits and we should have the glory in our souls. And our conversation must be a heavenly conversation. And if you turn with me to... Um, uh, that's the manifestation of the sons of God. When that happens. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 1. Now we will see what the glory is defined as quite simply. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. Who and what is the glory? Jesus Christ is the glory of the Father. That's why we must be changed into his image. It's in the face of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is the nature of the being of Christ. Now there is one thing about it, we are without that nature and being until we're born again. We cannot believe in Jesus or know Jesus until we're born again. He says, you cannot enter in, you cannot know the kingdom of God except a man be born again. You cannot know Jesus unless Father reveals him. Unless the light comes, you can't know. Now Jesus is the Word. The Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. 
that word. Now, what I want to point out is there is a difference in people. Now, the disciples, like John wrote, John wrote and said, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And yet the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other people of his time crucified Christ. Why? Because they didn't have eyes to see. We see the things that aren't seen. In other words, you might appreciate the glory of God in your brethren. You know what Christ has done in them. But the world can't see it. They meet them, they just don't they might think there's something different, but they don't see what it is. They can't see it until they're born. That's why it's something about the church. I remember uh, you know, taking an obvious example, John, when he first said to me, he said, well, what do you people actually believe? What is it, you know? And he couldn't figure out what we were all about. But you can't figure it out until you're in it. You can't see the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ till you're actually born. And you can try and reason it out. You can try and work it out, but you can't know it. That's why the world hates us. Because we've got something. They call us a secret society. We are. But we're secret because God keeps the secret. God will give light to whom he will. And if he doesn't give light to someone, they'll never understand. And that's the mystery. It's been hidden. And no one can gain it. So all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. The glory of God is the life of Jesus Christ. I need to partake of his life. I need to partake of his spirit. I need to have his light within me. Amen? So what God's doing when I come to a realization of forgiveness of sins, he doesn't just want to forgive my sins, he wants to impart his nature and life into my being. That's what it means when you read all of sin and come short of the glory of God. So if anyone asks you, you can explain it now, can't you? Eh? So simple, isn't it? When you know and that's the catch let's pray Father we thank thee that thou dost desire us to be partakers of that divine nature thank you when we know our justification we do become partakers Lord let us increase in the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ Teach us, O oh God, to seek thy face. Teach us, O oh God, to realize that in seeking thy face, we partake of thy nature. 